0: week of nehemiah everyone say nehemiah Nehemiah. i have entitled this um lesson tonight a time to celebrate because god is at work someone say god God is is at work I want to read the scripture, though I'll read a little bit more. We did not do our readout as we usually do. Our listeners on podcasts don't usually hear that because the chapter is a little conflicted. And I needed to read some of those tonight. But I want to read this verse. Nehemiah said, go enjoy choice food. Someone say choice oh <laughs> food and sweet drinks Later. with stevia. And since some to those who have nothing prepared, this day is holy to our Lord Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your your strength. Nehemiah 8 and 10. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit to this room. We welcome you in this moment. Speak, sir. You know this teacher's heart is overwhelmed with praise to you that you have carried me. I give you honor and glory. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Only you and I know how much you have helped me. But I thank you for these students here and those listening by podcast, Lord. It's been reaching so many people. We just ask that you would speak to everyone listening and everyone in this room. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. This is your room. This is Jesus' church. Let us learn from you tonight. In Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. I chose two verses underneath that to go along with the title. One is from John 5 and 17. My Father is always at His work. Someone say His work. And this was Jesus speaking to this very day, and I too am working. Is anyone happy that they're always working? It's incredible. Underneath there from the book of Job, we know God is working behind the scenes. Number one on your paper, two blanks. What are you building with your life? And if you need a pen, lift your hand and we'll get one to you. What are you building with your life what are you building with your life everybody ends up somewhere in life wouldn't you like to end up somewhere on purpose amen what breaks your heart is what we begin this series with it was what broke nehemiah's heart that caused him to leave and go back to jerusalem and do the work of god he was just a government worker he was not a pastor a preacher or a potentate what keeps you up at night? What makes you want to say what could be and should be in your life, with your life and those around you? Nehemiah sums up his life in a prayer he gives in the last chapter. It's on your paper. I love it. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds. Isn't that powerful? I love it that we can say to the Lord, Lord, don't let the good that I've done for you wipe out the bad. Can I get an amen? But don't let the good deeds I've done for you, some known and some unknown, don't let them ever be wiped out, that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. Look up for a moment. This is for everyone that invests in local church, whether it's this one or another one. You can say to the Lord, Lord, remember me according to my giving of my tithe. Remember me, Lord, according to what I give with my heart, what I give with my life. It goes on to say, spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. Remember me, oh my God. For what? For good. Someone say for good. Sometimes we just think the Lord is going to remember all the bad, Paul. Oh, The Lord's going to remember the seventh sin we did in eighth grade. Come on, somebody. But the Lord is saying for us to say to him, Lord, remember me for the good. Someone say amen. Now tune in and see it with your mind as I read it out loud to you. What happens in Nehemiah 8? This is after the wall has been rebuilt. Everyone say, the wall has been rebuilt. And the gates have been hung. I couldn't even teach you about the gates, but the gates is a whole nother message I might bring out sometime. But the gates are in our life, our eyes, ears, the things that we hear. We need to be careful what enters our gates. Amen. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe, everyone say Ezra. He and Nehemiah worked together to bring the book of the law which the Lord had commanded. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day. He read it in the open square and the people were attentive. Someone say attentive. To the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. He was standing on the platform. And he blessed the Lord. And the people bowed their heads. And they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Someone say worship. Now, everyone stand up in the room. Everyone stand up where you are. I'm going to tell you how important it is to be on this side of Calvary. If you physically can. I want you to repeat after me something I repeat whenever I go preach anywhere else. But I don't do it here. Say, I'm so glad. I'm not under the law, for if I were, I'd have to stand the entire time she talks. Now you can be seated. (laughs) They had to stand the entire time that the speaker was speaking while they went on. And you know how long this went on? Six hours. Someone say six hours. I don't know if we we can hardly stand sometimes 30 minutes. But there was a moment when they were just overwhelmed with the word and they bowed down and they worshipped. So they read distinctly from the book and they gave the sense and helped them to understand. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priest, and the Levites, taught the people and said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law and then he said go your way eat the fat drink the sweet send portions to those whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to the lord do not sorrow for the joy of the lord is your strength amen what happened in this if you can see it in your mind israel is gathered in jerusalem most people did not even live in the city in fact in one chapter coming up they they have a tithe it'd be like if i said okay you that live in um polk county 10% of you got to come move to Cleveland to be part of Harvest. You know, you that live in Udawah, 10% of you got to come. They did that to get people to move into the city because it was God's city. Everyone say God's city. And so they're standing and the law is being read. But as the law is being read, all of a sudden that big old bully regret comes out. Because as they're standing, probably kind of swaying in six hours saying, let my people go. Come on, somebody. As they're swaying to this being read for six hours, I want you to say six hours. Say, I have never sat through a sermon. There was six hours. And you have it. Pastor Hank and I sat through one one time that was three hours and 30 minutes and we finally left. But that's another story. But it, but at any rate, we don't know how long it went on. It was up in East Tennessee. But they're standing there and they're hearing the word of God. And, and all of a sudden, they just become full of regrets because they realize how they've missed it. You ever been there? And you know, all of a sudden, you realize it. And all of a sudden, they realize their brokenness. I'm going to tell you something. We were all born with original sin. Everyone say original sin. We were all born broken, regardless of fame. The daughter of the Queen of England, the son of a homeless man a preacher or a president we were all born broken sometimes that broken and here they are the rebuilders of the wall but now the word of god is dealing with their brokenness so those that rebuilt the wall now the holy spirit is moving in saying i want to hear i want to heal the inside of you someone say amen but we the only man that was never broken's name was christ and he died to fix our brokenness can i get an amen some of that brokenness insecurity feeling unloved self-hatred seasons from the past shame or just weariness and when they say they read from the law for context of this if you're in seminary which you're not one whole class because I went to seminary would be on the five books of the Pentateuch which is Genesis Exodus Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy and so they were reading about the creator of the universe they were reminding them in Exodus how God parted the Red Sea they were reminding them in the Leviticus how they were set apart they reminded them in numbers how they disobeyed and they had to wonder someone say wonder for 40 years and they were reading Deuteronomy to remind them that they were blessed. But in this moment, all they can think is, oh, how we've missed it. Number two, the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T of the word of God shows us our brokenness so we can reach out to the only one that can heal us. Can I get an amen? And as they're reading the word, the weight of God's word, I mean, let's think about the word of God and how it helps us. One day I was walking on the greenway about three, four or five years ago, probably four or five years ago, and someone had reached out to me for forgiveness that had really hurt me. The way they did it kind of irritated me, you know what I'm saying? Um, And it was bothering me, and I was walking on the greenway. I told pastor about it. He goes, I'll pray with you about your response. So I was walking on the greenway, And I was just praying about it. And when I got back home, I opened the front door, and I looked over at Pastor Hank. He was sitting on the couch, and I said, Jesus just messes up everything. He said, what? I said, yeah, Jesus messes up everything. He goes, I know you're going somewhere this. I said, yes, I am. That thing, forgiveness, has weighed on me the whole way I've walked the Greenway. He forgave me at Calvary, and how can I not forgive them? Have you ever been there where you wanted your enemy to die, but then you ran across the word that said, pray for your enemies? Can I get an amen? Have you ever been filled up with pride and said, yeah, I did that, I did, you know, I am so cool. And then the scripture comes and says, humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord. Humble yourself in the eyes of the Lord. It's an old song we used to sing, and he will lift you up higher and higher. Anyway, we used to sing that around the campfire kumbaya moments. But anyway, you're feeling a way and then the word hits you. You're being very selfish, and then you hit the Scripture that says, consider others' interest above yourself. Come on, can I get an amen? Everyone say, that's the weight. weight. Everyone say, that's the weight. The weight weight of the Word of God that comes and shows us where we're out of line, where we're broken. When I was going through my inner healing, um, the gentleman that walked me through my inner healing, I won't get into all that, but he would, the Lord would give him verses and he would leave the room and leave me with a piece of paper. And I would read the scripture, and all of a sudden it's like the word. The Bible says the word is sharper than any two-edged sword that it cuts, it divides the soul from the spirit. And when the word goes out, I sat with a new family Monday night for a long time. I can't wait for you to hear their story. A new I've known them, but a new family of this church, and 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 the gentleman of the family said, You're just stepping on my toes every Sunday, and it feels so good. You ever been there? But it said, Because the word of God comes in, it cuts cuts you. Everyone say it cuts you, but then it comforts you. You know, you ever, when I was growing up, you got an owie. Is that what you call it? You got cut and your parents put this horrible demonic stuff on it called. It was horrible, and we didn't have this little now. We're a bunch of wimps. Neosporin to take away the pain. When you get cut, put this on, it will numb you. Oh, no, our parents said, we're putting this red stuff on you, and you're going to scream like a girl. Anybody went through that, give God a hand clap that you made it. Come on. It was horrible. But the word of God, Dottie, when we come to him and we say, you just exposed my heart, Lord. He says, now I'll comfort you. Now I'll heal you. Now I'll take care of that thing that's hurt you. And as they're reading the word, they're reminding the people gathered there. God delivered you. He, he brought the plagues against Egypt. He put you out by his mighty hand. He crossed the Red Sea. But then when you had to wait just a little bit while Moses was on the mountain, you created a golden calf and you worshiped him. But I was the one that did you, that I'm the one that delivered you. Can you say amen? Here's what the Lord says to you and I tonight. Don't give anybody else my glory. Honor people, but don't give glory to anyone but God. Don't give glory to your job, your iPhone 11, can I get a witness? Don't give glory to this or that or your bank account. Only give God glory. We can never develop spiritual amnesia. You know, you ever watch these shows? There's always some movie where he gets amnesia and he goes, who are you? You know, it's his wife, who are you? What's your name? I mean, it's just so silly. And the person always comes around, right? But in spiritual amnesia, we begin to take for granted the blessings of God, and we give honor to things. What did Nehemiah said? It was by the strength of God's hand that I arrived in Jerusalem. It was by the strength of God's hand that I got here. You and I, like the people of God gathered there that day, have got to say, I want the author of this book who breathe life into this book, meaning this book right here, to give me freedom and to give me life. Can you say amen? And here's these people standing here, knowing that they've leaned into their vices. You know, you can get an iPhone 11, but it won't heal your brokenness. You can get the biggest flat screen. Pastor Hank, about a year and a half ago, the kids will remember this. He said, I have found the TV that is going to take us into the rest of our lives into eternity. And I I knew the way he was building it up. I was like the cost bumper, you know. And he said "I mean, this is the TV of all TVs. And the children, I said no, and asked him how much it was. I'm not even going to tell you. I just started laughing. I said, no, no. I mean, he was the head of our house, but he would say, no, this is the TV of all TVs. Sometimes we think a new TV will fix us. Can I get an amen? If I just put those new tires on that car, if I can get this looking better on my house, that'll fix me. I'll lean into my vices. I mean, we come after our brothers and sisters who have walked through addiction, but we've all had vices. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, you have. It might be food. It might be relationships. These people are standing here, and watch this, in this six-hour sermon, and they're thinking, I don't even know who I was when I did that. Has anybody but me ever felt that? When I walk down that road of that detour into that sin, or walked away from the Lord, got into that bad relationship and laid down. I don't mean, um, I mean that figuratively. Joined ourselves to people and places and things that cannot get us out of the brokenness. Can I get an amen? Oh, we say, if I could just get a new man in my life, if I could just get a new woman in my life, that would heal my brokenness. No, you get with that new man and that new woman, your brokenness comes to their brokenness, and you got a disaster. Can I get an Amen. Yeah, then you got double brokenness. And the thing about it is the word of God in this day, God was reading them out. I want you to say reading out. Reading them out of their circumstances. Reading them out of their worry. Reading them out of their situation. The word of God in our life as it was that day can take us on your paper, not a feeling, from rubble to revival the word of God is sharp it is like a hammer Jeremiah said it's like a fire it comes in when it's spoken it does something it's mystical it's hard to understand but it's the power of the word and I don't know about you but if I'd been Nehemiah look at your neighbor say if I'd been Nehemiah I said yeah you little dog dubbers I mean I'm here you you uh, you did all this your ancestors did all this You've caused this problem. You were, I don't know where that word came from. Not, I, should have, I should have chosen a really bad word and freaked you all out. But anyway, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm, you know, you did all this and I had to come here and I've dealt with Sanballat the demon and Tobiah the witch and Gershom the freakaming. I don't even know what that is either. But anyway, I, I, I've dealt with all of these. Yeah, I want y'all to sway in this sunshine and feel bad about what you've done. I'm glad the word is nailing you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, really, look at your neighbor and say, yeah, probably. Probably in our flesh. Say in our flesh. And he could have said, I'm done. I, you know, we rebuild these walls. I'm going to happy trails. Because he did go back to Persia. That's a little, little interesting trivia. And then he came back one more time. I'm going to go back to Persia to finish serving the king. But I'm just going to leave y'all where you are and your brokenness inside. I love it that Nehemiah did it. I love that he said to them in that moment, come on, come on, come on. You're focusing on everything you've lost. You're focusing on what you lost in the battle. You're focusing on the things that didn't go right. You're standing out here. You're grieving. You're mourning because all of a sudden, and in my years of counseling with people, I can think of many situations I will not give context to because they're private. Of people that I helped, Pastor Hank and I helped in counseling, there was always a moment when a man of God realized how far he had gone away from God. There was always a moment when he realized and then that's when the depression came to steal his soul. As long as he was in it, someone say in it, he didn't realize it. But when he got out of it and he saw the consequences on his family or a woman of God, either way, All of a sudden, depression would try to overcome them. It's in those moments when we're dealing with people that they realize, I'm mourning my sin. I should have known better. Look what a mess I've made of my life. I don't know how to deal with this, that we say like Nehemiah, Do not grieve. God is at work. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And God's going to do something beautiful in your life. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that on this Wednesday night. Such a picture Nehemiah is of the Holy Spirit. I love that the Holy Spirit doesn't say, I told you so. Oh, my goodness. There's one man that did not tell people I told you so was Pastor Hank Davis. really the hundreds of people that got into trouble, that he said, if you do that, this is going to happen. If you do that, this is going to happen. He would never say, I told you so. And I said, how do you keep from saying that? I I know you told them. I know, especially the men that he worked with, I know you told them. He said, honey, it does no good at this point. I love that Holy Spirit is the kind of person, the kind of Godhead that says to us, you know what? I'm not going to leave you incomplete. I'm going to finish the work that I started. Can you say amen? There was a beautiful woman named Betty Motz. Joni interviewed her. You can look her up on the internet. Her story stuck with Joni and it stuck with me. She was completely in a wheelchair her whole life and her body was contorted. And they had prayed and prayed for her. And one day, Jesus Christ walked into the room. It's the most holy experience that I can't hardly remember all the details but a few. But you can look it up. She wrote a book. Jesus came in, and he came over to her, and he first touched her head, and her head came up. I mean, she was weeping so hard. Then he touched her arm, and her arm went straight. Then he touched her other arm, and her other arm went straight. And she began to be able to speak, and she's just weeping. And he starts walking just a little bit, and he turned back around to her, and he said, Betty, I know what you're thinking. I'm not going to do it halfway. Betty arise and stand out of the wheelchair your legs are made whole and she stood straight forth out of the wheelchair and was healed. Isn't that beautiful? And live. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap praise. And the reason that I bring that up is because I love that God does not leave us halfway. And every time I think about Betty Maltz, if I'm going through something, if I'm believing for something, um, if I'm believing for someone's healing or believing for a situation, I'll always say to the Lord, Lord, remember Betty Maltz, don't leave this halfway. I'm so thankful tonight that God does not leave us halfway way, but he will always finish the work. Come on, someone give him one more hand clap of praise. Number three, the mercy of God resuscitated the people's hearts and reminded them that he is the God of another chance. This is the crazy thing, and I'm not trying to make any of us feel bad, but I think it needs to be said. They did not have Bibles. There were scrolls, and only the priest and the scribes had the scrolls. So the priest and the scribes are standing reading the word. And one of the reasons they're reading to these hundreds of people standing for six hours because they don't know how to read, especially the women and children. And very few men, only the scribes learned how to read. And so they're reading this. But what is coming in this moment is we would think a total reversal. We would think that Nehemiah and Ezra would say, that's right. Just sit there and sit in your, you know, your mulch of condemnation and think about everything you've done. You should have done it better. I want to tell you something. Regrets is a bully. Regret is a bully. And it will always say you should have gone left, but you went right. You should have raised your child differently. You should have been this differently in your marriage. You should have been this different at work. If you had only done this, this wouldn't have happened to that situation. The mercy of God comes on the scene and resuscitates our heart and says, You know what? God is on the job, and God is at work. Amen? In the early days of the church, there was a woman walking through some really horrific things that I can't go into. And I'd counseled her for many, many, many weeks. Still very connected to her, not in this church or anything like that. And um, she fell. She fell into the sin she was trying to come out of. And the Sunday night before, she was just worshiping God. And I mean she was just that the stage was over there and she was jumping up on the. i mean she was just woo, wildly praising the lord and enjoying the beauty of her god but then no one knew but she and i and pastor hank that she had fell back into this terrible situation um, more of immorality not a crime she'd fallen back into it. And so she stood on the front row with her head down. She never lifted her hands. She looked like someone just froze her. And I went down and I got in her face because we had traveled many journeys together. I called her by name and I said... You were worshiping him last week with all your heart. She said, but you know what I did this week? I said, let me say to you, last week when you were worshiping, God already knew you would fall this week. And he received your worship last week. You need to even more so worship him today. Because when we come in here on Sunday morning, we don't come in singing, I am awesome in this place. I am worthy of all praise. Because I've been a perfect picture of salvation and grace, I shall now lift my hand and twirl we come in here and we say because of the cross of calvary because god knows me he knows everything about me and he says i am abundant in mercy but you god ready to pardon gracious and merciful slow to anger abundant in kindness and you did not forsake us nehemiah 9 on your paper someone give the lord a hand clap of praise for that it's so powerful in all the twist and turns And Nehemiah began to rebuild their life. Number four, the apex of our projects, dreams, visions, opportunities, and our lives are simply for the Father to draw people to himself. And this is the thing. This is the thing about our life. When we leave this earth, we will not take anything with us. Our house, our clothing, nothing. We will leave, and if we go by death to the dust of the earth, we go by rapture, if we, you know, if he comes before we die, we'll go that way. We won't take anything with us. The only thing we will take is people. And God uses our projects, our dreams, our visions to draw people to himself. Listen, Israel was a picture to the world. I want you to say a picture. Someone say a picture to the world. Let's say it one more time to wake you up. A picture to the world. So watch this, because this is your life. God wanted to show the nations, this is who I am. So I'm going to let you watch me deliver them. I'm going to let you watch me forgive them. I'm going to let you watch me take care of them. You see, the world doesn't know what we know. And that's why they are amazed when we walk through a trial, through chaos, through heartbreak, and we stay faithful. God is saying, I want to show through you and through you, and through you to the world, this is who I am. I am a merciful, restoring, redeeming God. I want to show the world I am the God who picks his people up and walks them through every tragedy. Amen. Give Jesus another hand clap of praise. I'm going to work you tonight. He said, you are the light of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the light of the world. And what I loved is Nehemiah stayed to the vision. I'm going to say to you one more time that I've said almost every week, stay true to the vision. This church will always stay true to the vision of which it began for the whosoever. It may look different. The next building may look different. Um, but worship will always be explosive and powerful. The word will always be preached and the whosoever will always be welcomed here. We will stay true to the vision. And you've got to stay true to the vision for your life. If it doesn't fit in your life, don't let it in. If it doesn't fit who you want to be, and what you want to be remembered for and what you want to build your life for. We're to build our life for Jesus Christ that He can reach the world through us. doesn't mean we're all going to Zimbabwe. It means just as we live, the way we encourage people at the drive through the way we go to the bank and, and they know we're going through stuff. And they go, how is that even possible that you could be happy and full of joy? And we say, we don't know how it's possible except that we've got a great God and He's our strength. They're to say, the joy of the Lord is my strength so let's talk about practical joy number five don't allow negative people or circumstances to steal your joy when you lose your joy you lose your strength that's why he said the joy of the Lord is your strength it's our power against the enemy and he knows that our possessions he's not so freaked out about taking you think oh God wants my scooter he not God, the devil wants my scooter the devil wants my wedding ring. I saw him trying to steal it. It came in last night. Please don't tell us stuff like that because we are not going to believe it. Um, the, the devil is after my car. The devil is, well, I'm sure the enemy doesn't want you your possessions, but it's the things you possess inside that the enemy hates. Your joy, your faithfulness, your peace. That's what he wants to take because if you have faith, you have peace, and you have joy You can get another car. You can get another scooter. There's always scooters for sale. You can get another ring. But if you lose your joy, if you lose your faith, you can regain it. That's when he gets the upper hand and gets an advantage. I want you to say after me, joy Joy. is not not. happiness. Happiness is connected to happenings. Amen. I'm going to go sit on the porch today. I'm so happy. Um, I get to go with my BFFs to wherever i'm so happy um you know that's based on emotion everyone say emotion have you ever seen a baby i mean did they not like turn like a dime kayla i mean one minute they're and they're and, they're and they're and they're i mean that's because they're immature someone say immature but joy is rooted in the origin of god the verse i put on your paper i want us to say it out loud together john sixteen thirty three. it starts with cheer up you ready Cheer up, I have overcome the world and deprived it of the power to harm you. It's so awesome, and sometimes I debate with that. When you think about God has overcome the world, He's deprived it of its power. It takes God to enjoy life, to say, no matter what I'm going through, the joy of the Lord, it is my strength. Not happiness, because I'm happy... You know, I'm gonna sing that song. You can listen to music, and you know you turn the music off, you're like you know what I mean? Because that's momentary ever say momentarily. I don't know if that's right, it just sounds like a good word. But joy, I want you to say this joy strengthens us. Now let's go a little further into a joy. Joyful heart is good medicine, Proverbs 17 and 20. Um, Norman Cousins is most often credited for coming up with the fact, I'll have to go fast through here because I gotta get to the other part. But he believed he had, um, I'm going to see if I can say it right, spondylitis, he, arthritis was crippled in, 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 in a wheelchair. They wanted to keep him there. They said one in 500, get out of it. He got a doctor on board. He went home. He took a, a vitamin C, high amounts, and he watched the, um, oh, goodness, what did he watch? He watched Candid Camera Spoofs and the Marx Brothers. Come on, somebody. And he was healed from laughter. After that, scientists begin to chart that laughter releases endorphins. It relaxes your muscles. It's a natural, everyone say natural, painkiller. That's why sometimes at this church some of our messages are funny. That's why we show things like Skit Guys and a Christmas dinner theater and just do stupid funny things because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you learn to laugh and you say, well, I came from a long line of serious people, none of us laugh. You know what? When you receive Jesus, you got an infusion of his DNA, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can look to laugh. You can learn to laugh. Fake it till you make it. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen. It's a good thing. The Bible says this is the day. That's right. You know what? What we have to say is if I'm still here and I'm still breathing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is the day He's given me. There's going to be things that are going to come into this day that are going to make me not feel joyful. They may take away my happiness, but they cannot take away joy. I have set, number six, the source of anguish can morph into joy. The source of anguish can morph into joy. I have set with people that have faced unbelievable things in their life. And it would be that laughter through tears. You ever been there? Like on Steel Magnolias where they, they're they crying and the next minute they start laughing. That's the joy if they're believers. That kind of joy that says what once was a source of anguish. My friend that lives in Texas, um, a prophet that's ministered to her and me as well, not anyone's ever been to this church. His name is Hooby. Anyway, Hubie, um, gave her a beautiful word and she sent it to me and it, it said... Um, You know, right now there's just pockets of joy because you've lost your husband. But very soon, even though the angels are gathered around you, the joy will come and it will remain. And it's been beautiful to watch my friend and me as well not just have pockets of joy, but where the joy stays. That's why we believe in the cross of Calvary because underneath there the verse Jesus said, when you see me again, you'll be full of joy. Someone say, full of joy. And it will be a joy no one can rob from you. You'll no longer be so full of questions. Say, I'll no longer be so full of questions. Look up just for a minute. What Jesus was saying is, he was telling his disciples, on the second day, you're not going to see me. On the third day, I'm coming back. I mean, it was a little bit confusing. He was talking about his crucifixion, his resurrection. And they're just like, what did he say? Did you understand what he said? Did you understand what he said? No, he's going to be two days, come back third day, something else. And then Jesus just said, you know what, 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 wait, 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 hold on a minute. Don't worry about that. When you see me again, you're going to have joy. What does that mean for you and I? I'll tell you what I feel the Spirit of the Lord gave me today, what that verse translates to us. When you see me work in an area that used to cause you, ang- you anguish, you are going to see the joy. Amen. When you see the Lord reach through you at a place that hurt you and he brings the joy, it's going to help you. Number seven, these are some stealers of joy. When you compare yourself, so your blank is compare Compare yourself to others, engage in excessive reasoning, and hold on to ungodly anger, you will lose your joy. Someone say amen. The Bible says do not compare yourself to others. Second Corinthians 10 and 12, say not wise. And hang with me because I'm going to be a pastor for a moment before we get to the end of this. I'm going to tell you something. Comparison is the thief of joy. I wish I had his life. I wish I had her gift. I wish I had their car. I wish I had their children. I wish I had this. Then it leads to envy, which is one of the deadly sins, because envy is wanting what another person has and feeling bad that you don't have it. Envy is disliking God's goodness to me and dis- uh, disliking God's goodness to you and dismissing God's goodness to me. It's saying, all I can see is what God is doing in your life, but I can't see. That's making a a gold calf before the Lord and giving it honor. What we have to say is, I trust God. Helen Keller, who was blind, said, Instead of comparing our lot with that of those who are more fortunate than we are, we should compare it with the lot of the great majority of our fellow humans. It then appears that we are among the privileged. Can I get an Amen. I mean, think about this. My daddy was genius at this as my daddy. If I said something, he'd say, well, just think about Betty. Oh, here we go. Betty has six children, on government assistance, and Betty doesn't even have a car. He helped a lot of people. Why don't you think about Betty? And he wasn't telling me that my pain didn't matter. He was trying to remind me, thus before the grace of God goes, I, our brothers and sisters in underground churches that can't even meet right now. They can't get together or they'll be killed. The Christians in Russia and the Christians in Ukraine are both suffering terribly. In Russia too, the Christians. I'm talking about the believers that are center of that. Instead of us complaining, we need to be thankful and say, Lord, forgive me for not... Thanking you for everything that I have. I'll tell you a little secret. When I get to comparing things, I will say, if I go and stay with someone and, and their home, i say oh man, you know, I love my home, but this home is so awesome. And I, oh, my cabinets need help, and this needs help, and that needs help. And when I start says that, you know what I do? I walk through the house and say that loud, just in case the enemies listen, Donna. And I'll say, thank you, Lord, for this house. Thank you for those cabinets. Thank you, Lord, that you've let me stay in this house for 30 years. Thank you, Lord, that I have a vehicle in the driveway. Thank Thank you, Lord, that I have a bed to sleep. Lord, I now stand in for the homeless. I stand in for those in underprivileged countries that don't have anything. Forgive me for my grumbling and complaining and let me not compare because comparison will steal your joy. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. I'm just going to blow through these next two. Excessive reasoning is this. You just can't figure out why people are the way they are. I just don't understand why Bob wants to eat his food, you know, in sections. That's stupid. I don't understand why Sally needs to be this way. Listen, excessive reasoning is in our mind. You ever seen a hamster on a, on a wheel? Like one time a, a prophet gave someone a word at this church. And he said, God loves you. Oh my Lord. For six months she tormented us. What does that mean? I said, God loves you. But really, what is the essence of that? I remember finally I thought, I'm just calling 911. I don't know what to do anymore because sometimes I didn't and I was loving and I don't know how we ever solved it. I don't remember the end of it. I don't know if there was an end. You can get so excessive in your reasoning that you wonder about everything and everybody that will steal your joy. Well, why did Bob do that in fourth grade? And why did John do that at work yesterday? I need to think about this. You just go on and on, and you're like a hamster on a wheel. Now, there's some mental illness that some people have to overcome that get into that, but for a lot of us, it's excessive reasoning. You are not God, and I am not God. There's many things you will never understand. I want to tell you what I do when I get excessive reasoning. I'll just say, Lord, I did this in the middle of the night the other night. Lord, I put this situation in your hand. I cannot figure it out. I cannot settle it. I can't do anything with it. But you are God and I am not, and it is not going to steal my joy. You've got a plan. I didn't get here by myself and I won't get to the next level by myself. Someone give God a hand clap of praise and I'll move on. Ungodly anger. He who is slow to anger is better than he who takes a city. Proverbs 16, 32. I'm going to tell you something about anger. It's so cute. Pastor Hank, you say this to me. He'd say, um, how long you not going to speak to me? especially in the early years. The older years, we just got on the same. The last 10 years, you've been married a long time. We got on the same page within seconds. But those early years, you know, we would a little disagreement here and there. And, um, and I'd get mad. And he said, how long are you not going to talk to me? I said, I don't know. And um, he said, well, eventually you're going to talk to me, so let's just talk to me right now. I mean, because eventually, Rhonda, it's going to be a day or two or three days. Anybody ever been that way? So he said, let's just go ahead and kill that thing. And you start talking because you're going to start talking. This is the deal. When you get angry, it's a joy stealer. Is this not the truth? You're in the shower. We say this to you. You're ruminating in your mind what you're really going to tell them and what you're going to say. Am I going to send that in Facebook or am I going to text them? Oh, God, help me. And then I'm going to say, and then you say, no, no, I'm not going to say it like that. If you're like me, you contemplate, no, I'm going to say it like this. No, I'm going to switch that word around there. Then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. Next thing you know, you're furious. Look at your neighbor and say, furious. You're fierce because you just talked yourself into a higher level of anger. You can talk yourself out of anger just as much as you can talk. It is a joy stealer. Someone say amen. On your paper, two statements. You can read it silently. I'll read it loud. We must learn to stop and celebrate every victory because life is full of battles. Listen, celebrate the little things. Don't wait till something's done. You know, as, as CR, we would give different time. One, We would say, oh, hey, when you're 27,000 years clean... We're going to give you a clap. No one's going to live that long. But when you're, when you're this or you're that, we'll, we'll, give you, we'll give you an award. No, we're like, you've been clean one day. We're going to celebrate. Come on, somebody. You were clean an hour. This is awesome. But listen, that's something we can kind of look at um, without prejudice. But what about yourself? I'm not all that I'm going to be, but I'm not who I used to be. There's maybe some things I have not acquired and not done yet. But I'm going to celebrate victory. Sometime when I go to bed, I think, what did I even do? Being a pastor, I mean, I think one of, the, one of those nights, when was that? It was Monday. When I went to bed, I thought, well, I had a lovely dinner with a couple for about three hours, which is wonderful from our church. But I thought, what did I even do today? And I said, Lord, I can't even remember what I did today. I didn't lay around and eat bonbons and smoke cigars. But I know I did things, but I can't remember. Have you ever been there? I mean, you just kept fixing things and fixing things. But I said, Lord, I give you this day, whatever I did not accomplish or whatever I did accomplish, I don't even remember, but I thank you that I have lived another day. Look at your neighbor and say, celebrate every victory. Go out and celebrate at home or abroad or whatever. Um, Underneath the next statement, in the book of Nehemiah, This is so important. God clearly intervened. Josh, would you come help me, please, sir? God clearly intervened, but nothing supernatural took place. I want you to say nothing supernatural took place. This is cool. You say, oh, man, no parting of the seas, no earthquakes, no plagues like happened in Exodus, just hard work, good leadership, and the touch of Almighty And when I read this, it's like a boomerang went with me from the Holy Spirit. That's harvest. We're at the season of hard work, hopefully good leadership among all of our leaders, but the mighty touch of God. Listen to me. Sometimes we get too dependent on special effects. We watch so much theater and movies. We want to see lightning. When I wake up tomorrow morning, God, I pray there's a lightning bolt. That comes in the front door, doesn't hurt me, though. And goes out the, the back door, doesn't hurt the cat or the dog. Um, just do something so dramatic, I can talk about it on social media. You know, we get addicted to highs. Give me something like Spielberg, Jehovah. Come on, Yahweh. Give me some... I mean, we're in a state of electronics now that, dear Lord... People are becoming like movie makers. I'm thinking, what do y'all do with your life? You're on Instagram making movies of every time you cook an egg in the skillet. I mean, do you even have a life outside of your little movies? I'm sorry, that's so ugly. But those on Instagram know it's true. I shall now make avocado toast. Now I'll show you how I do my hair. And then next, I will run with the animals in the yard. And I'm like, I am just so much, Dottie, a person of purpose. I love rest, I love theater, I love relaxing, I love all those things. None of those are bad things, but I have to know there's some purpose. I'm not going to do a movie unless it's about Nehemiah with Austin out in the rubble of the city. But otherwise, I'm not going to do a movie. I shall now put in my contacts. Have you ever wondered how to put in contacts? I now will teach you. Lord, my room is so dirty. I don't know what those people do. Do they have hired servants? Um, Because it looks like no one lives in their house. Give me a hand. Is this not the truth? If if, if you're not on Instagram, you just ain't seeing what's going on. I mean, their houses are perfect. Anyway, but but God says he wants us to stay faithful. Everyone say faithful and not be addicted to highs. I love it when the Spirit of the Lord moves through here, and I'm, I'm addicted to that high. But if God says, I'm not in the fire, and I'm not in the lightning, like he said to Elijah. You know, there was the earthquake, and then there was the fire, and Elijah's still looking for God. He, he wasn't in either one of those things. And, and God said, Elijah, Elijah. And it says he pulls his prophets to Leith over his head, and he walks out of the cave. Sometimes what you and I need is a whisper and not special effects. Sometimes the greatest things I get from God are in our worship time when maybe no one else is getting anything. Or when I'm just driving down the road and I just this thought comes to my mind. There's no cook's food store. I know y'all really care about this. But now when you use your debit card, every time you use it, it goes. And because I go up there, they all say, We're so sorry, Miss Rhonda. We're so sorry. We don't know why they got these new machines. And said, We hear it in the middle of the night, but I got kind of tickled because that's kind of what we want in this day and age. We make everything da-da-da-da-dum. And it's not. It's not. Sometimes, what we, when we don't see special effects, God sees us powerful. As I've said through the years, when one soul makes its way to heaven, angels rejoice. You think they'd wait till like the big world? Well, let's wait till there's a hundred in seven cities. No, one person right now somewhere is giving their life to the Lord and an angel is going nuts because it's eternal. Look at your neighbor and say it's eternal. But what we need to do is to remember the touch of God and stay faithful. So so here we go. So while Nehemiah was still in Persia, we're winding down. Everybody be at peace. When Nehemiah was still in Persia, probably as a little boy, learning how to walk, God said, that's my man. That's my man. he's going to be raised as a slave in in Persia. But I'm going to put him in a government position. He probably worked his way up from janitor down in the lower realms, and he kept getting worked up, and then he got to be cupbearer. And God said, I'm going to use him. God was working behind the scenes. God is always working. That's the thing tonight. You see, what was so powerful, the stage was set to demonstrate God's glory. Everyone say God's glory. And this is what the verse said, Austin, that we read last week. When the wall was completed, everyone say, the work, our enemies lost their confidence. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. What God was saying is, this is who I am. He was showing the whole world, this is who I am. I took these people that had lost their identity. They they laid down with relationships and things and... They forgot who they were, and their city was in rubble, and they got accustomed to it. They just drugged their anger, their low self-esteem. They just drug at their regrets everywhere with them, and they didn't even notice they were living beneath the glory until Nehemiah says, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. You've forgotten who you are. You are children of God. Your city is broken down, and you are broken down. But God has sent me here by commission of a heathen king to rebuild you. You and I are called to be those rebuilders with the people among us. The powerful thing was, hang with me because you're going to love this. The nations had lots of gods around them. Just think about this. They had the other nations, the heathen nations, not Israel. They had gods of wheat, fertility, rain, thunder, resource. Can you imagine coming in on Sunday morning... I'm going to worship the God of wheat for two minutes. And then I'm going to switch to the God of rain. And then I'm going to switch to the God of thunder. I'm going to, that's what they did. Someone say, stupid. We come in here and worship one God. Who is over the earth, the wheat, the fertility, the rain, the thunder, the seas, the heavens. We come and worship one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And you shall worship the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Give him praise tonight. Hallelujah. I'm trying not to preach on this Wednesday night. God was showing his glory and saying, this is what I want to do. And this is what God is doing through you in these last couple of minutes. He's positioning you as a point of light, a city set on a hill, so that He can show others. Number eight, divine intervention, when it is recognized, recognized as that first blank. When it is recognized, you got to recognize that God has intervened, results in authentic worship and unquestioned obedience. Divine intervention, when it is remembered, can have the same results look up just for a second. I promise we're almost done. Monday night, I know I keep hinting to this, but I don't want to share anything because he's going to share his story and then they both will. I've known him for a long time since he was a teenager, but a new part of our church since the first Sunday in January. God divinely spoke to him to come to Church of the Harvest. But as they're telling me their story, I'm just like, spelled. I mean, none of us keep, we're at Alexander's. We're letting chips go, queso, veggie burgers, what I was eating. They were eating uh Snackle, snackle cake pasta. <laughs> Whatever that is that you used to get, Courtney. Anyway, rattlesnake pasta. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so none of us were even eating. I mean, we said that we had to box up everything. A big old piece of carrot cake. It was a tragedy. Um, was boxed up. I made them take it all home because I didn't want it. But they start talking about how God had worked in their life. When you start talking about what God has done, and it's so amazing. And this gentleman, I will tell you, has unquestioned obedience how far he followed God out of things and into his marriage. But you see, once you recognize that God has intervened and he builds your obedience and you remember it, you have the same results and you find yourself becoming stronger and you find yourself believing for even greater things. Someone say, even greater. And I said, do you know how blessed you two are? Can't wait for you to hear that story. Do you know how blessed you are to have this? miraculous working of God. I said, I questioned how you were so obedient. Now I know when God says something, you just do it. Leave North Carolina, go to Church of the Harvest, walk this property the night before they came, first Sunday in January, just to look it in the eye, he said. And I had to come look you in the eye, Pastor. We're here. You're my pastor. I'm here to serve you. But I said, how are you so obedient? And I guess this statement I just made remind me, when God intervenes in your life and he does the supernatural, when he healed me and restored me to my husband and I began to see God's work, you become easy to follow his command. Isaiah 61 and 7, instead of your former shame, he said to Jerusalem, you shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, you shall rejoice in your portion and you shall possess double and everlasting joy. Someone say everlasting joy will be yours. Okay, I'm done. I had a dream two nights ago. I'm gonna give you the last one, but this goes with that. And in the dream, I was in a, a new building of ours. I couldn't recognize it. I, I don't wanna tell some of it, but there were so many interesting parts and some minister friends of mine were coming in and out of it. But I was trying to get ready. There's some funny things about me trying to get ready in my dreams that I won't tell you, but I was panicked. And but Josh, the worship was to my left and I was trying to, I was dressed, but I was trying to get on better clothes because the crowd kept growing and the roar of the worship was something from another world and it kept roaring and it kept roaring and it kept roaring and i could hear our people church of the harvest just worshiping so loudly and so and i could feel the power of god reverberating through those walls coming to me and a, a minister friend of mine had come in with his wife and some other associates and i could hear him yelling among the people rejoicing in the lord i don't know about you but i'll take some of that amen i don't know about you but i'll take a sound of rejoicing among us as a church we already sound very much like we're rejoicing. But I'm excited to see what is to come as God reveals and takes us in to the future. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So, I said all that to say, this is what's happening. In Nehemiah chapter 12, many sacrifices on that day. There were, let me tell you, there were two choirs. They were out there for six hours. They were singing and rejoicing because the work had been done and they had felt some rebuilding inside. Some of those regrets had lost their power because Nehemiah said, Don't you grieve. Joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't you hold on to the past regrets. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't you look back. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You're not condemned. You're welcomed. Go and eat. Eat, not just don't have a pity party go and eat something good and drink something good drink sweet tea drink something go and rejoice in all that God has done and when he said that it relieved the people so they're out there worshiping they're praising God and this is number nine so powerful straight out of the word Nehemiah twelve forty three. many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day everyone say joyous day because this is the day that ends Nehemiah For God had given the people cause for great joy. Someone say great joy. He had rebuilt their city. He had rebuilt their job. He had rebuilt their relationships. He had rebuilt their finances. He had rebuilt their self-esteem. And then he had gone into work on the inside. That's an ever process. We're changed from glory to glory. The men, women, and children participate in the celebration. And this is the kick. This is the punch. This is everything. And the joy of the people of Jerusalem as they worship you're going to put three words in there, could be heard far away. The other nations could hear. I love it. And you can put your pen down. Don't put your papers up. We're going to make a declaration. We're going to be done. I love it that when God did that, this, this is just so powerful to me. And maybe because the way my mind envisions things, I just see them at every point of Nehemiah. When the walls were torn down when everything was terrible and nehemiah's trying to pick them up and then they're rebuilding the wall and the enemies approach and they try to destroy them they go through all of this then they get the word read to them and they're swaying in the heat of regret of oh god why didn't we do better and then they get the word from the lord the joy of the lord is strength the joy of the lord is your strength don't grieve and then they come to this moment. You see, all the nations, someone say all the nations, come on, everybody say all the nations, all the nations around them had watched the city be burnt. Come on somebody. All the nations had heard the sound of Nebuchadnezzar plowing the city to the ground years ago. All the nations knew there was no gates. There was no walls. They were living beneath. All the nations knew they belonged to the God they called the God of Israel. Elohim Yahweh. All the nations heard and they knew it went on. But I love it in this moment what they saw was a rebuilt city and what they heard were people rejoicing and saying for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Come on somebody. And this is where it kicks you and I'll pray for you. People that have seen the destruction in your life. We've all had it. They've seen you go through things. They've watched you. I've told you some of my personal, I'll say some more Sunday morning, my next message on Giants. Then they get to watch the Lord restore. Then they don't hear that complaining, that woe is me. They don't hear that I'm nobody. They don't hear that what they hear is sound of rejoicing. They hear the sound of your thanks, and it travels through the city. Maybe they don't hear you say hallelujah in your house, because you probably don't live that close to people. But they hear the sound of rejoicing, and they see the evidence of what God has done for you. For it had not been for the Lord on our side. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord sustained me, and they see his hand. Can someone say amen? Let's say this last statement's together. We're going to try to read it together. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll read it out loud. I know that puts pressure on y'all, and y'all read silently. Celebrating godly progress should cause us to say, what God is doing in my life is good. Everyone say good. No, it's not finished. He is not done with me. But today I'm declaring that God is faithful. And God will continue to be faithful in every season. Someone say every season. And He will cause, hallelujah, everything past, present, and future to work for my good. I am declaring today that what? Say it again. Now let's just give Jesus a big praise tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we just praise you before we pray for what you did for your people. Those were your people. Hallelujah to your name, God. You orchestrated every moment. You got Nehemiah there, Father. You got him there. You rebuilt your people so that now there's a Jerusalem, for, first of all, for Jesus to walk into and for him to come back the second time. You showed the nations who you were in your people's life. Lord, right now we sit here and we ask you, Abba, Father, to show those around us who you are We know we're going to go through trials and troubles, Alba. We know we're going to hit battles. But God, show those around us that we remain faithful. We remain steadfast. We remain full of joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray, Lord, what's come through Nehemiah, God, I don't expect them to remember it all. I don't even remember it all. But the context that you rebuilt a city and a people. And you restored them. Lord, you've called this church to rebuild walls. You've called us to pick people up out of the rubble. Show us new and innovative ways to do that, Lord. Bring more Nehemiahs into us. You've already started that that thing, Lord. Bring more Nehemiahs to us, Lord, that will join with us and help us to rebuild us. And for everyone in this room tonight that's bullied with regret, bullied with thinking, if I'd only done this different or that different, and the enemy is bullying them, Lord, I pray you would remove that from them And cause them to thank you that the end has not come yet. And you are working in the lives of their families, the lives of their jobs, their finances, their ministries, their children. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen, Amen.